it's time to start unpacking with another episode of the B Word Unpacked, hosted by the phenomenal women of Goodstock Consulting, Kelly, Kim, and Ebony. Hey, 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 welcome back to the B Word Unpacked. Now, before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to the Migos, y'all. That's right, the rap group, because they officially made it cool again to be bougie, and might I add, we might be three of the bougiest ladies I know. Kim, I have got to be honest, I had no, I mean, no idea what you were talking about in terms of the Migos. What? No, zero idea. And so even though people say that I'm bougie, I've never thought of myself like that. Um, although I wonder if me saying that is some form of bougie privilege that I'm not, not even bougie. aware of. I don't know. But anyway, I have a really layered take on this term and would consider myself more like granola with a couple of bougie sprinkles. Mm, okay. Uh, granola with bougie sprinkles. Let me just say for the record... <laughs> Okay, out of the three of us, America, I want to be very clear. I am the least bougie. Yeah, out right. of all three Ooh, ever. I'm not, uh, I am not bougie. <laughs> I have certain things that I really like, you know. Uh, and, that are bougie. Huh? That are bougie. They're not bougie. Snacks. Okay, because what? So, Kim and I would talk. Okay. Before you go there, before you go there, and okay. we get too deep into this word bougie, okay. um, the history, the transformation of the word, especially for us black folk, let's do a quick lightning round. Lightning round. What is the bougiest thing you've done during the COVID lockdown? Go ahead, Ed, because you started talking about these bougie ass snacks. <laughs> so, first of all, I, okay, my snacks. I'm just very particular about. Mm certain things okay mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. I like to keep house in order okay. okay and in particular my mama my sisters can tell you since the beginning of time I do not share food I just want to say that again Keisha Cherie okay Kiki Lauren y'all know <laughs> that if I go and order something at a restaurant it's because I plan on eating the whole thing mm. by myself I didn't buy it so that everybody can have a piece now, that's the same way I feel about my snacks. So let me fast forward to what has happened. With the whole COVID lockdown, I have really stocked up my pantry. It's stocked. Okay, I'm not going hungry over here. My, my freezer, I'm talking about ribeyes. I'm talking about filet mignon. I'm talking about it's stacked, okay? Yeah, because <laughs> you, you don't know when it's going to, what if they run out? Anyway, so fast forward to my snacks. So I'm very particular about my ice cream, and I don't eat snacks a lot. So when I do buy it, it's for a purpose. So anyway, so I went and bought Klondike Bar Oreos because they're the best, okay? Then Klondike has these um, ice cream sandwich that are fantastic. And then I bought these, you know, the little individual cups for the ice cream. So I had yeah, whole, but all this already sounds real bougie. Hold on, let me tell you what happened though, and this is what made me maybe I am bougie. I don't think this is bougie, but anyway, what has been happening is somebody's coming over and eating my damn ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward, coming to eat your bougie ass ice cream. Somebody came, so I had to write my uh, my dog Walker. There you go. Ding, bougie number two. That's bougie, come on, right? come on, dog walker. They got it in the daytime. Mm. Anyway, I had to write her and I said, "Hey, just, just." I was the dog walker. No harm, no foul, but 
I just want to know, did you have to eat my ice cream? Because when I came home, <laughs> y'all, I was set, mindset on having a Klondike bar. I know I had to have at least 13 individual Klondikes left in my freezer the last time I checked. Zero. Listen, well, you should have had that big tub of Napoleon um, ice cream, Nepapolian, the three shades, you know, that's in that big gallon thing. That you is it Napoleon? Is it Neapolitan? Neapolitan. And you can even scrape them all together so it's like the spoon there running. You need that big one. But y'all, let me finish my ice cream story. What? What happened? No, because I came home. So I let two weeks go by. I didn't buy any more ice cream. I was like, you know what? I'm going to let this bandit rest, whoever is doing it. All right? I bought some ice cream yesterday, put it in my freezer. I come home today. I got a doggone ice cream wrapper on my island in the kitchen. Well, it's, it's either the dog it's walker. Weird. It's weird that they did. The or is it my neighbors, my neighbor's kids. Or is it and I, and I love them. Do they have Okay, I love them. But somebody got to stop eating my damn ice cream. <laughs> but that's the only thing I would say I'm maybe a little bit bougie about is just my food. Kelly. Yeah. Go on, tell us. What's making you bougie? Ebony, I would just say I beg to differ just your food, but we'll come back. <laughs> Listen, did you see how I just said, okay, friend, I'm going to let you have that. I'm going to let you have what do I do that? that's your ice cream. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> um I'd have to say the what's had me feeling the bougiest yeah. is probably the extent to which I've leaned into kind of real housewife, real mothering kind of situation. Mm -hmm. I am used to kind of this image of the woman going out and working and not a stay at home mom. That's always felt kind of like a privilege. That feels real 1950s, like uh -huh. that, you know, making you do that. Uh -huh. But it's like my husband's enabling me to do that and you it, let you know, me do this amazing kind of great y'all so i do feel like i recognize don't get it twisted the e extreme privilege of being able to do that like to chill be with my son play with him and not have to go and work so that's probably what's felt the bougiest for me since rona so i'll tell y'all so the bougiest thing well, first of all, I was so confused about what's bougie about me because I was like, I don't know. Then Ev was like, bitch, look at you. And I was like, whatever. I did this in about 30 minutes. It works. It's possible. Bougie.com. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty particular like about my house. Like I want things in order. I want it. I want yeah. you to walk into the house and feel like you're in a showroom for West mm -hmm. Elm. Come and sit down and feel comfortable. Take your shoes off. I want it to be an experience, and my children are disrespectful and they don't understand it. But they, they go learn. They go learn. Tell them they about your learn. art projects. Tell them about your art projects. Oh, so so I have so Jonathan Green, one of my favorite artists, but I can't like afford a real Jonathan Green well painting, right? And so I took the calendar. Print. I can get a print. Mama can get a print. But I took this calendar from last year and I put it in picture frames and I matted them. And so now they look like art hung up in the office. I thought it was a cute little DIY pictures. They look good, right? Mm -hmm. They look good. Mm -hmm. yeah. they look good. As a matter of fact, I need one of those. Listen, you better get with it. Get better get with your it. Calendar. 
Better get you that calendar. Get you that calendar. Y'all are truly a mess and I love it. And I am ready to jump into the B-side. So y'all, let's unpack this thing called Bougie. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the B-side. All right, y'all. So the word bougie stems from the word bourgeoisie, right? Most of us know that. We've heard it before. It refers to the manners, the pretensions, the exaggerations, and even the dress of the upper middle class. And since the Migos started bragging about being bad and bougie, the term has resurfaced and has been reframed. And maybe I would even say reclaimed with a positive connotation or even a desired social status, right? So I love history. My good stock ladies know that. So I really wanted to know like where the term came from, you know, and apparently it started somewhere in the 1100s. So people were leaving the farms for more urban jobs and fortunes in the city, quote unquote. So the French used the term the bourgeoisie to describe these new town dwellers, right? These people became merchants, they became artists, they became craftsmen, and they were even given like privileges that the peasants so the very poor people and the aristocrats, the very rich people did not have. They became the new middle class. So not peasant living in poverty, but not rich enough to really hold any power, land, or authority. So you got new money. You, that you new got money. new money. Yeah, you got new money. This is the new right. money. Right. But this, so this new money group started growing and growing, and soon they became the wealthiest in the land. They set the trends for the powerful rich people and even socialized with the rich people to try to put them on game, okay? Like so Jay-Z. Now, like Jay-Z. So Ooh. there's more to the class, especially the French, because we could go down like a whole like dark rabbit hole because we know what happens when you become too rich, right? The rich becomes richer, they start becoming oppressive, yada, yada, America. Illuminati. Right? America. The Illuminati, right? <laughs> right? But for us Black folk, um, becoming a social elite was more than about just money. So when we called ourselves bougie starting back in the day, like 1860s, it was talking about freedom and education. So numbers of Black people, African-Americans, when we were freed in 1865, especially those mixed people, hint, hint, colorism, but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother episode. Right. Okay. But after you became free and you started owning some land and maybe you learned how to read, you were able to build a legacy for your family that others around you couldn't. So while most were poor, we have some new black people, some new money. They got land, they're learning trades, and they were able to get a head start of those that were still in the field or maybe even those that were still sharecropping. So this was the beginning of the black upper middle class are the bougie black folk of America. The inkwell black folk of America. There you go. So the oldest historically black colleges and universities are the HBCUs like Fisk, Hampton, Howard, Spelman, Morehouse, Tuskegee. They became the most reputable, especially among black folk because that's what we started. That's where we started. And they maintained this elite status with uh, their high ass tuition fees. Hello but also with their rigor and their cultural significance and even the name recognition. And the network possibilities are endless. I didn't go to HBCU, but I know that if you went to one, you know people who are in great places, right? And that's usually gonna guarantee you a job after graduation. So education and your new career could instantly push you 
to the bougie stratosphere. Poochie. That's Absolutely. a lot. That's the beginning. That's a lot. That's you, a you, lot. Just like, you just laid a lesson down, for I which did. I'm very grateful. I mean, you really unpack that for people. Um, I, I can say that both of my father's sisters and both of my sisters, who I talk about quite a bit on this show, went to Hampton, but I opted to go to Spelman, which honestly turned me into somewhat of a uh, kind of like black sheep of the family. Um, yeah, it was the mid-90s. The Olympics were in, in Atlanta, and I was just intrigued by this whole women's college experience. You know, growing up in Germany, my interaction, as I've mentioned before, with black people and black women and black families was pretty limited. And so I was hungry for that experience. I was hungry to like meet other black women, black people. And Spelman really allowed me to do that for the first time in a way in which I hadn't. So I met black folk in spades. I learned how to play spades. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Did it take you to get to college to learn how to play spades? Hold on. Yeah, I mean, I had played. Friend, I still don't know how to play spades. It's okay. This is why I can't deal with y'all. Okay, in in my family, this is why I know I'm not bougie. In my family, (laughs) you learn how to play spades at the age of five. If you don't know how to play spades by the age of 10, don't get at the table. We don't have time to explain it. Okay. We lose, we lose feelings at the table. Y'all get aggressive at the table. That's okay. We we, we know how to play spades before we go to college. Kelly, but I'm not judging you for that. Don't judge me. I mean, in my household, we learned how to play (laughs) Scrabble at five. It was just a different game that we were really into. There you go. There you go. Flex on them, Kelly. Flex on them. It's just a different experience, but definitely I say Spelman was foundational in terms of the woman I became. I can remember walking up in that school and the, one of the first classes that we had to take was African diaspora in the world. Every girl who enters those gates, every young woman has to take that class. And y'all, they educate you in and out on what awesome. in a lot of ways that Lord knows I didn't know from Black History Month. I mean, you know, you have stories from your grandparents, you have stories from your parents, but you don't necessarily have that deep history. And so I'm eternally grateful to Spelman College. I'll definitely say I think that that school has opened doors for me. Mm -hmm. I'll say that I know that when people see that on my resume, they get a, it's a signifier of like, yeah where you're coming from or what your perspectives are or what you value. And so shout out to HBCUs. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a clout. It's a, it's a clout ticker. It is a clout ticker. And I got, I got a, I don't know why I'm about to confess this. Okay. (laughs) Oh Lord. We going to get some hate mail on this question. And I could be transparent. If I don't know something, I should be able to say, I don't know. Yes. Okay. Say it. Speak Where it. is Hampton? Oh God. Virginia. Hampton, Virginia. And Howard. Virginia. Howard Hampton is in Howard. DC. Okay, so that's why I get them confused. Because they similar. They okay. They're very similar. I get those two confused. I'm not gonna lie. Yep. Okay. And then I know Spelman and I know um South Carolina State. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know Benedict College. I know the ones in South Carolina. Yes. And I know Morehouse. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about my experience. We're going to do some HBCU trivia. No, trivia. No, don't, don't, do do trivia. don't do it to me. Don't do it to me. 
Because honestly, looking back, no one ever talked to me about HBCUs. Yep. Yeah. Ever. Like, yeah. Ever. And so, um, looking back, so I'm going to tell y'all the difference in a, a PWI and an HBCU. So, when um, this was a couple years ago, I was invited to go down and talk to uh, Plaquemine College mm -hmm. um, about um, medicine and, pre and to the pre-med students. And so it was myself and I, and I asked, I think, two more people. Did you go, Kim? No, I think it was, it was someone else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, so, so we're driving from Charleston to um, Claflin. Um, wasn't too far of a drive, mm -hmm. but I was looking real regular because looking real regular. I walked into this auditorium, and when I tell you, every student in the audience looked like they were preparing for a – Right, yeah. interview yeah a full-fledged like we have suits on we have our 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 hair is laid laid okay yeah everybody looking like they just got they got up to go see to go see something to do something and i yeah. was like what is this and one of my friend melody harris who, who was uh she's a pediatrician she was like, that's, that's the way we went to class. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? Yeah. That's yeah. how students go to class. And Eb, honestly, freshman year at Spelman, we also had like an etiquette class hmm. where you learned about how to dress, how you eat at an interview, how you present yourself at an interview, like the hmm. business casual versus casual versus formal, because there's a recognition that honestly, not everybody comes to the table knowing that. And exactly. so I know that a lot of the girls, especially those who were more privileged, were kind of rolling their eyes like, I got to learn which fork to use. But not everybody knew which fork to use. So mm -hmm. like, I think there is value. Not everybody knew how to balance a checkbook. You know, like those were some of those basics that we also got in freshman year that's, I think, more indicative of that Black college experience because they're equipping you to go into the world. Yeah, PWIs don't give you life skills. No, no. They don't give you life PWIs, skills. You, you might get, you gonna, you gonna get um, a pair of sweatpants every day in class. Just, I'm just <laughs> rolling out. Um, like, uh, uh, I, nev I never wore pajamas to class. I, I, I didn't say me, friend. See, I uh, didn't say me. Uh, okay. uh, I was okay. like, who's doing this? Why y'all doing this? Why y'all showing up like y'all just woke up? That's why I don't have pajamas. Oh God! That's the bougie of you. I don't have pajamas. <laughs> don't worry about what I wear. Don't worry about what I wear to bed, America. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, y'all? But these are valid points. These are valid points. So while Eb and I, we didn't go to HBCU. Eb is a physician, so that kind of pushed her into bougie land just a little bit. But there are some other doors that Black folk can walk through, and another one is Greek life. Hey, hey. Uh, shout out to Kamala Harris, but yeah. fraternities and sororities. So uh, outside of Kamala Harris, shout out to the also oh beautiful ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> me by me. <laughs> Listen, but while we give the most credit to Alpha Phi Alpha, to the men of Alpha Phi Alpha as the first Black Greek organization incorporated in 1906, there was actually a small Greek fraternity before it, and that's Sigma Pi Phi, also known as the Boule. I had no idea what this group was until I read the book, Our Kind of People. But Sigma Pi Phi was incorporated two years prior in 1904, and it's the first successful and oldest 
black Greek lettered organization, but it's just for men, of course. Um, and it's highly exclusive. It's still only about 5,000 members, but they have people like W.E.B. Du Bois, they have uh, Martin Luther King, they have Arthur Ashe, and even John Lewis, y'all. But Sigma Pi Phi was more of a professional elite fraternity. So you could hold membership in another college fraternity like Alpha Phi Alpha or Kappa Alpha Psi or Omega Psi Phi or Sigma Phi Beta. I got to call them. Oh, I missed one. Iota Phi Beta. No shade. No shade. Iota, but shade. Okay. So. Uh, uh, no, what's an Iota? Tell me about Iota. So the iota, iota phi theta, I honestly don't know an iota is, is mm -hmm. but I, I don't want to throw any more shade because I send her I the hate is Kimberly Butler Willis, K I M B E R. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm about to get all the hate mail. Okay, <laughs> but I cannot shut out these men without talking about the lovely ladies of. Alpha Kappa Alpha, of course. We wake oh. up in the morning, we get up out of bed. I look up in the mirror and I shake my pretty cat. You know, yeah. we got all that. Mm -hmm. Shout yeah. out to my girls. Yeah. Uh, but then we also have uh, Delta Sigma Theta. We have Zeta Phi Beta. We have Sigma Gamma Rho. Uh, and these fraternities and sororities, they make up the National Panhellenic Council, also known as the Divine Nine, if you guys ever hear that. And you probably hear more about it now that Kamala is running. And the rivalry, yeah, yeah, the rivalry is fierce right now, okay? Between these groups, we get serious. And, and it's weird that I am the only Greek person in Gustav. I'm still really confused. Kelly, you know better than this. I don't know. I, know, I, mean, I, I don't know. even know how we live in like this right now. I don't know how it happened. My mama and all my aunts are yes. AKA. And, and serious so about it. And very, very serious about it. You know, I don't know why I opted not to pledge when I was at Spellman. I just really didn't have that much of an interest in joining like an organized group, although I did do a short stint in the MLK choir. We've already talked about my walk of shame in a previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> you never did. You never did. Your, unho your unholy walk with the choir. Yeah, but did you ever sing for us? Um, I don't know if I've ever sang for y'all. Like I've always said, I am definitely choir material, alto section, booming alto, not the there solo. You know, I know my place in the choir. Mm. I know my place in there. But I don't know. I feel like the sisterhood at Spellman was kind of enough for me not to sound cornball. Um, I honestly not to be controversial or negative but i saw a lot of the negative side of greek life the pledging situation that i saw go kind of dark kind of quick and saw some girls do some things or act out in ways that i just didn't think were cool but that's a whole nother story on a whole nother day all that said and done and please y'all don't start sending me head mail because i just said that but my mom and my aunts loved loved their sorority. My Aunt Frances, I swear, has AKA t-shirts, yes. sweatshirts, yes. Rams from Boulets going back like 50 years. This is no joke. I'm talking about going to turn all the t-shirts into a quilt kind of situation. Wow. Years. And I, I got to say, I learned what I learned from all of those strong black women. That's what they all were though, was ultimately that you've got to give back to your community and yes. that much is given, not to be cliche, much is expected. I mean, yeah. they, they taught that 100% and felt like that was embodied in their whole sorority Greek life. Absolutely. That really is the premise of what these fraternities and sororities are about. Ed, yeah. what about you? What was your kind of experience with 
sororities. I know we both are first generation college students, so it was a little different for us. Right. I mean, quite honestly, going into, I knew what AKAs were, I knew what Deltas were, um, mm -hmm. and I forget Zetas. There you go. Sigma Gamma Rose. Okay, Sigma Gamma Rose. I know, actually, I know a couple of Sigma Gamma Rose. Okay. So, um, so I knew I knew of them. Quite honestly, when I went to college, I was about that beeline focus life. As y'all know, I, I ended up getting three degrees in the four years. I didn't have time to do any pledging or even think of or consider pledging, actually. Like, um, and then looking back, it is one of the things I regret not doing. Mm -hmm. Really? Now, Why? Yeah. Well, a couple of things I, I regret not doing in college. Pledging, probably. Just to experience it, like what it would be like. And um, and studying abroad. But, mm -hmm. you know, one, but okay, let me tell y'all sorority something, though. One of the reasons why I did not want to pledge, too, was because y'all were going to make me get in front of people. Oh, yeah. And um, dance or walk or whatever. <laughs> Stroll, <laughs> step. <laughs> And, yeah. right. and yeah. as an introvert, as I keep on telling people, the last thing I want to do is get in front of a whole cistern of people. Ah. So I can go up there and say, my name is whatever. And I'm here to say, y'all need to have one. Y'all need to have one that's on virtual, like this, a Zoom one. Friend, trust that I am not the one stepping or strolling. I'm like holding up the mirror on the end, like, girl, I got you. I am here for moral support. But at the first time, you're still working out this left and right thing. I can do it as a, I could do it as a, after I'm done. No. I can do it with the group. I don't do it by myself in the beginning when I'm trying to, when y'all have to say your name, the probate thing. I don't want to do that part and, and everybody looking at me and I pull a hood off myself. <laughs> what you say, Kelly? I don't know. All I can say is, Ev, did you ever consider the Greek life in graduate school? I know a lot of people do like, I'm an AKA, but I pledged in the grad chapter. Yeah. Did you think about that? If you regretted it. Right. I was considering doing that actually right before um, moving to Virginia. I was like, well, maybe I'll, I'll do that because I actually like the community engagement mm -hmm. portion of it because as y'all know i like to do a lot of stuff as far as um, mentorship and programs so i just don't know the process of what do you do when you are that old because i don't know if, if they that had old? You, listen, <laughs> i just want to make it clear to whoever if i did do whatever i'm not washing nobody's clothes but that's okay so that's, that's hazing that's a whole nother episode we're not even going into that but yeah, that is totally frowned upon. I do want to tell y'all though about my aunt Fluffy. So although I'm a first generation college student, like my aunt was one of the first to go to college and she went to Benedict and she was like, so every, all the women in my family are the AKAs and the men are, um, we got a few deltas, they got confused. Uh, but the men are like alphas are the cues, right? And so we used to go visit my aunt Fluffy at Benedict back in the 90s and y'all she was legit like the shit to us we thought she was everything and not only was she was the aka but she was the president of the chapter on campus and she was the step leader she was the step master i was like hey what is this and we would record her the step shows on a vhs and we would rewind that tape so much to try to learn those steps because we were certain that she was gonna call us up on stage Kim, I gotta ask, where the Fluffy, where'd she get that nickname? What was the Fluffy for? Listen, I think it's 
she was a chubby baby. So I even still call her fluffy and she's like a grown ass woman. And so when I meet other people, cause she knew everybody y'all, like everybody knew her. And so when I meet other people, I'm like, oh, you know my own fluffy. And they're like, Yolanda. And I'm like, oh yes, Yolanda. That's right. Yolanda. <laughs> but everybody knew her. And I just think it really speaks to like the power of proximity and exposure, especially us little kids from country Hollywood, because I don't know that we would have ever known that world if it wasn't for Fluffy, who then introduced us to like Spike Lee school days, you know? So we even understood Ooh. the context of the movie, but I, oh. it, that's important to have somebody there that can kind of give you a little bit of a light. Oh, yeah. That, oh, but that whole school day? Okay, but now we're talking on something. You're just a gym. Gotta find something to do. Right, right. I know that whole song. So, okay, so question is this then. That brings up something because you know in school days. Colorism. Okay. So, Every day. Okay. So, question then. Okay, I don't even know if we can touch on this or not. We're going to touch on that. I think we should do another episode on colorism because that's a deep one. And that's yeah. a perfect movie yeah. to like, yeah, we could easily go rabbit right. hole with that. But right. so rather than school days, she also put us on a different world. And like a different world. Every time we went to Benedict, I felt like it was a real life episode of a different world. Can I just say how much I loved yes. a different world? Still love. By the way, filmed on Spelman's campus and Clark Atlanta, shout out. <laughs> um, but I I just wanted to be, if I could have been anybody, it would have been a mix, a, a mashup of Denise, Jaleesa, and Kimberly. I loved all three of their characters. Not so Whitley? I love Whitley Gilbert, but no, for me it was Denise, uh, Jaleesa, who, who loved Whitley Whitley? Gilbert. <laughs> Ebony, hello, did you love Whitley Gilbert? <laughs> Have you seen those t-shirts? What would Willie Gilbert do? I need that. I need it. Yes. So listen, me and Trey have a Whitley and Dwayne Wayne t-shirt because you know Dwayne Wayne was in college to be an engineer and Trey is an yep. engineer. So that's our thing, like with Whitley and Dwayne. Oh I love my it. god. Y'all, I have rewatched so many of those episodes during oh, Rona. Man. I'm not shame. I'm not shame. Don't be shame. Don't be shame. So okay, I got another door. So if you didn't get through the college, if you didn't get through pledging. We now have, as Eb just called us all, social organizations, right? Mm -hmm. So some of the most popular would be like Jack and Jill of America, the Bowl Fair, our debutante cotillions. We even mm -hmm. have poinsettia cotillions here in South Carolina. You got the links and you even have the girlfriends. Now of all of those, the girlfriends is probably the one that I knew least about. Uh, but all of these are social circles, social circles for elite black people and their children. So women of stature and authority may become a member of the links or the girlfriends. And they do social service uh, activities and they collectively put all their power together to impact social issues in black communities. And again, I knew nothing about these groups until I read Our Kind of People by Lawrence Graham. Honestly, I was like, what the hell is a link? I don't know what a link is. Right, and I was actually, oddly enough, I was approached by someone about the links and Jack and Jill, mm. uh, but y'all don't even have kids. Yeah. <laughs> so it made me, and honestly, though, it made me wonder, like, um, you know, how much of it is driven by name and status and absolutely right. And, and that's the fuel, right? Yep. But at the same time, okay. But we know though, with with name and status and money, 
does come influential power. And if you're using that power for good, mm-hmm. then it is what it is. You got to do, you, you have to do what's best for the community. Right. Know? And that's really the premise of these groups to do social good. Yep. Right. Yeah. Kelly, I know your mom was at a link. Base, at its base. Yeah. At, at the base. For, yeah. Kelly. Okay. So I'm a hush because Kelly, your mom was a link and you know, in my eyes, like your mom was like, Oh, like she did all these things. You yeah, tell us about the link. She was one of the early founders of links when they first launched in Germany. And I got to be honest here. I can remember going to these formal events as a tween and as a teen and not loving it. Um, as kids, we were called arrow links. And so, links, okay. And so I, I didn't like putting on a fancy dress. I was a tomboy, again, granola, outdoorsy, skateboard club kind of girl so the links to me felt stuffy and i just didn't like it that and bougie it felt bougie but my mom reveled in it and i think not because of the bougie-ness but for her she was in germany at this point surrounded by a group of black women with whom she could build community so i think yeah. that fueled her in terms of the link as i got older college and as an adult i would more willingly accompany my mom to some of these events or conventions and i'd go and stay in a cool city stay in a hotel and cocktails and be honestly y'all it would be like a sea of saint john suits like everywhere you look yes everybody had on saint john's (laughs) i don't know what it is with the links but these ladies love saint john at least the southern uniform it's the uniform and pearls um I got to say, and this is where the whole issue of bougie and shade starts to come in. You know, some of these links ladies would ask me, when am I going to let go of my do-gooder work and start to make some real money? Not that they had any idea about my bank account, no clue, but they heard Peace Corps volunteer, Peace Corps director, she works at nonprofits. And for them, that's not doctor. That sounds like poverty. Lawyer, that sounds like why are you choosing this poverty? And I got to be honest, at first, that question by all these links, fancy links ladies, it used to piss me off. But then honestly, I realized like, from their perspective, my professional choices, that's a privilege that most people can't they choose. didn't have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but I didn't realize that. I just used to be pissed. Like, why are you judging? But I also get like, a lot of families like, no, if you're going to college, you are going to go make that money. Because mm-hmm. no we invested in you we invested in you to make yeah. that money so it's always interesting kind of the, the the class and the money and the conversations that are raised in some of these circles yeah. but that's disheartening to me what'd you say that's disheartening to me because because for one all the experience that you did have in those uh what you call it do-gooder positions mm-hmm. literally teed you up to be the absolute best shape to do what we do in good stock right right and i I can't stand when one of my biggest pet peeves y'all know like i feel about mentorship i can't stand when someone else foo-foo's on a young impressionable person absolutely career choices and the the path that they're going down because you never know where their end destination was so just because it wasn't good for you doesn't mean it's not going to be good for this person but i'm glad you went to the peace corps 
Am yeah, I? I, listen, I think so. My issue, although I so I like to say we were um bougie adjacent, we were not <laughs> bougie, we were just bougie adjacent. Like, we had enough new bougie, like, new money family members are like my mom had enough bougie friends that we could at least see what the world looked like from a window. And if we got invited to something, we stayed because we could hold our own, right? But from the outside looking in, it felt like, wow, you guys have so much opportunity to grow. Like you learn things that I wouldn't learn or I would have never learned in my family. But then I also do see that underbelly that you talk about, Kelly, like that pretentiousness mm -hmm. that then creates a us and them. So yes. yeah, where you're working in the community, but because we pity them, not because they're a part of us. And so that usually is my struggle as as I move into my own little bougie bubble in the mm -hmm. world, right? I, I constantly check my children to let them recognize that you, you don't have nothing. Actually, you're very poor because you don't right. have a job. And so you, there, there's a gift in that struggle, I think, that yep. I think kids need to experience. And there's a humility in that struggle that I think kids need to experience. And sometimes adults need to too. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy when you think about it, because um, in thinking about life, like, so I grew up in a single parent home, but there, I think um, your access and your privilege is very much on a spectrum mm -hmm. compared to everybody else that you're around. And so compared to our friends and our, you know, people in our neighborhood, um, at times we had a lot, but I can, this one thing I can say, I'm so grateful for my mother because Although it was as if we had more than everyone else and we didn't have nothing. Um, we, and I meant to say it just like that. We didn't have nothing. Um, <laughs> my mom made a, a very big point that like for, for instance, for Christmas, um, we used to all have one cushion on the couch. That was our, our Christmas couch chair. And I do mean one cushion. And that was all <laughs> of the stuff that you're going to get. And if you touch my cushion, that was my orange jukey. Um, not your own, like basic stuff like that. But, um, right. but I remember this one uh, Christmas in particular, um, my, there was a little girl in my little sister's class who stayed with us, um, Christmas Eve. I thought it was a little bit odd, but not my business. I got to go to sleep because it's the business tomorrow. Right. Right. And, um, and I remember waking up that morning and instead of there being three cushions, there were actually four. My mom had taken a little bit from each of us to make sure that this little girl actually had a, um, a Christmas too. And I think that one Christmas has left an impression on me more than anything else in life in that I don't care where I get to. I don't care how much money I make. I'm going to stay true to my roots of like who I am. Right. And there will never be this, oh, I have this and you don't. It's, mm -hmm. it's less, if I have this, Let's all get this. It's and it us. really, yep. matter of fact, let me, this shirt. Because when you see me, you see us. And uh -huh. it, <laughs> but no, but it really is one of those things of where I, I constantly think, um, yes, I've been, I've lived on both sides of this track. And so again, when I get an approach about joining these links and Jack and Jill and, and mm -hmm. all these things, it's like, okay, I want you to know, but when I, if I join this, if there is any type of, oh, it is us, yeah. I'm out. I, I just don't, it just doesn't fit with me. 
Listen, yeah. I'm a firm believer. Ever since I pledged, I and when people like they meet you, they're like, oh, you're AKA. And I was like, actually, I make AKA. AKA doesn't make me. Mm-hmm. So I am consistently me every day, despite these letters. Like, don't get it twisted. And I think that's what we need to see more of in these groups so that people feel as though they're apart. But you know what? The Migos handled that for us because now that we're in like the 1990s to the 2000s, Bougie still wasn't really cool, but honestly, like the Migos set it on fire and made it to where everybody could feel like they could be a part of this life. Can it, I it, gave, it gave the status some edge. Yeah. Can, I say something? Can you sing the song? Because I Bad I, and Bougie. Something that's in the Uzi. Bad and bougie. All I really know is bad and bougie in the beat. I know still. I'm old. I'm old. Conversation. I don't know what you're talking about. But I gotta be honest. I think that in a lot of ways, (laughs) TV, music, and pop culture really were pulling back the curtain on that whole black bougie life in the 90s and the 2000s. I mean, think about it. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Living Single, Different World. These were all depictions of quote unquote bougie life that was mainstream to me well before the Migos. Um, and I also <laughs> think that example though, it can go like the other way. Like I also think back in the day, hip hop artists kind of turned their nose up at black bougie folk. Absolutely. Rightfully so, because black bougie folk, many of them had very distinct and negative and unfounded image of folks who were in hip hop or rap. But I got to say like, at the same time, as we know, they were clamoring for the signifiers of mm-hmm. the signifiers of wealth, the labels, the name brand, the, the purses, yep. and the beamers. And I'm not sure if it's like the grass is greener or the money is greener kind of situation, but something was going on bi-directionally between both groups. For sure. Kelly, I like that. The money was greener. And yeah. I think, unfortunately, as Black people, we feel like once we hit a certain level, we have to act a certain way. But I really just want people to feel like you can just be you, you. with or without money. Yeah. On everything that ends with a why, be yourself. Be yourself. Be yourself. So, yeah, I feel like we're moving into Be Bothered. Hashtag Be Bothered. I hope you guys had a good history lesson. Now you know when you say I'm bougie or if you call something bougie, you know the history behind it, right? And we've yep. come a long way as Black folks, especially those of us living in our little bougie bubbles. Like, we have to recognize our humble beginnings. And much like the bourgeoisie of the 1100s, we have access to people, resources, and education that many would kill for. And honestly, many are dying because they don't have it. So yep. it's important that we use our bougie for good. So ladies, give some parting words to our listeners. How would you use or continue to use your bougie for good? I love the question, Kim. Um, I will use my sprinkles of bougie to continue to connect and expose people. I mean, whether it's through the work that I did with young people early in my career, whether it's serving as a mentor to various people, it's always been about connecting individuals to those who are living a life that they might not even know is possible and to experiences that might not be readily available to them. I mean, I can distinctly remember volunteering for a teen program in DC for um, homeless children who used to, well, they lived in the stadium armory. And we took those children in Washington, DC to the Capitol they lived in the nation's capital and hadn't been to the capital, you know? So in yeah. the capital, 
four subway, five subway stops away. So it's just like the act of getting people exposed to things that honestly is right in their own backyards. That to me is super powerful, super yeah. duper powerful. And y'all know I love a quote and the one that speaks to me on this, and it, it really goes back to what you said earlier, Eb, is that if you light a lamp for somebody, it's only gonna brighten your path. So y'all keep lighting them lamps. There you oh. go, friend. What about you, Eb? You know, it's, it's funny and talking about um, mentorship and, and exposing people. So I'm really big on whenever I meet someone, I always ask them questions like, what's your short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals? Mm -hmm. But there was, this, there was this one, um, because it gives them perspective. Oftentimes people never ask um, people that they don't consider bougie or of some status of what are their plans in the future. So um, asking them to try to help define what do, what do you need to do now to get you to this long-term goal? And we break it down in smaller parts. It's not overwhelming. But one of the um, little girls that is now a beautiful uh, mother of three, um, I met her at a very trying time in her life um, when she was a teenager, the first children. And, um, and I asked her, I said, you know, what's, what's on your bucket list? Like, she was like, well, what's a bucket list? I said, oh. Well, I was like, you know, things that you, you've always wanted to do. Um, I was like, let's write down 10 things that are on our bucket list and we're going we're gonna to check those things off, right? And so the next day when I talked to her, I was like, okay, so did you do your bucket list? She was like, well, you know, um, I only have like three things. I said, okay, you know, no problem. I said, well, let's, let's just start there. I was like, what's your number one? And she was like, to go eat at California Dreaming. Listen. And that to me... In that moment, I was like, you know what? Um, she's a, a brilliant, beautiful girl, you know, yeah. like inside and out. And it was, it was one of those things of just small things can yep. make such a big difference. And so yes. I was like, you know what? We're going to go. It wasn't one of those, like the pretentious may be like, oh, you just want to go to California Dreaming? Right. Like, you want to go to California Dreaming? So we're going to start there. And then the next week, I was like, we're going to go get some sushi. And there the next week, I was like, what, where, what town do you want to go to? But that's the big thing is I'm very big on if you expose someone um, to something, you don't know what avenue you may open up for that person. So yep. expose them young, expose them early. Yeah, I think the reason why we just work, it was just so organic from the from the jump is because I think mentoring is really at the heart of everything we do. And that was actually my thing that I was going to use to sprinkle my bougie, the little bit of bougie I have onto the world. Uh, but like I said earlier, it's really about proximity and exposure. Like, So if I can take another young Black girl on this journey with me, then she better buckle up and scoot over because she's going to have right. company. You know what right. I mean? Because my goal is to put on as many talented women as I can, especially Black women. And Kelly, you know I love a quote too. And my favorite yeah. quote, uh, one of my favorite quotes has always been, um, a candle loses nothing by lighting another. Yes. And, and, and it takes nothing off of me to share anything I have with anybody else because I know I believe in a God that's going to replenish that. And so I'm going to continue to give and continue to shine and continue to let these young people even feed me because this shit ain't easy. And sometimes you need the motivation and the ambition and the wonder of young people around you to remind you why you do what you do. So if nothing more, mentor that. people. Yeah. 
can I just sidebar, and this is like straight up shade, but I love when bougie people are dead ass wrong, but think they're being so proper. And so the example <laughs> this I want to give is we were at a restaurant with a lady who just thought she was the shit. And she's like, oh, waiter, waiter, I'd love a glass of the Merlot. I'd love oh, some. No, 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 Jesus. No, 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 ma'am. You no, listen, ma'am. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. for the record. For the record, uh, you just, know, point, just point. Just point to it. Just point right? to it. Right? You pick up the and you say, you know what? Um, and if you start doing this, if it's possible, <laughs> I would just say, you know what? Give me your favorite. Like, which one is your favorite? Do that. Say less. Say less. Or rose. I'll take I'm rosy. Yeah. I be doing that. I don't want the rose wine. Call it anything else. Oh my gosh. Y'all, on that note, listeners, keep listening. Tell us what you thought about today's episode. And if you have comments, put them in the comment section below. As always, if there's new B words that you want to throw to our way for us to unpack, please do that. And with that, until the next time, let's let's keep unpacking. Thank you for unpacking another B word with Kelly, Kim, and Ebony. Follow the B word on Instagram the B Word Unpacked and follow Goodstock Consulting on Facebook and YouTube. Learn more about Goodstock at www.goodstockconsulting.com.